Thank you, Lord. Correct our thinking, I pray. Our judgment. Help our understanding to be right before your eyes. If anything is lacking and anything is crooked, Lord, you are able to straighten it out and straighten us out. I need you, Lord. You have put down the plumb line to measure by which we can weigh ourselves to see if our ways, our paths are right and righteous. Thank you for your word, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your word is not scarce in these days as it was the days of Samuel before you called him out to be the prophet. Thank you, O oh Father. You're raining down your mercies. Your manner is abundant. Thank you, Lord. It is the blessing of the Lord. It gives rain for us in harvest. I was not to be self-centered, but to be God-centered. Thank you, Father. And everyone who prays to be prepared to pray, to be right before you, that you may hear the prayer. Help us to prepare ourselves. In Jesus' name, thank you. Answering from heaven to glorious our especially tomorrow. In Jesus' name, thank you. The Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we come to the throne of grace boldly to receive answers to our petitions and our supplications. Faith and thanksgiving, we thank you, Father. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Praise God. I'm going to pray for tomorrow's service as we have been directed to do on Saturday mornings. And uh, it's very, very important that we prepare ourselves to pray. As the Bible says in Psalm 15, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Psalm 24. Psalm 15 says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle in your presence? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Who is the one that's qualified to come near the Lord and go up to his holy place? The one that has clean hands and a pure heart. Who dares to ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who is able to stand in his holy place? The one that has clean hands and a pure heart, the one who hasn't lifted up his soul or her soul unto vanity, the one that has not given himself or herself over to vanity, idleness and idolatry, empty thoughts and evil thoughts, the one who has abandoned that, like an old abandoned building, it's just no good and full of mold and infested with everything that's undesirable. That's what this vanity is and deceitfulness. God has abandoned that. Here's the one that deceives himself. 
James 1.22, it's written, that the one who hears the word and doesn't do it, the person is actually deceiving himself or herself. Self-deception is in full swing in that life. But the one who has abandoned vanity and abandoned deceit, that person will receive the blessing from the Lord. The one that has cleansed the hands by not doing evil anymore, not using those hands to, those digits on the hand, the thumb, the fingers to scroll on their screens, on their phone, to see things that they shouldn't see. Not just the very evil things, but also the things that will promote a waste of time, God's precious time and energy that is given us. The one who has kept their hands clean, the one who has not used those hands to get ill-gotten gain, dirty money, the one who has not used their hands unlawfully for striking people, the one who hasn't given the hand in a handshake when there's a despising attitude on the inside, the one who has cleansed the hands from such things, the one who has a pure heart, as you heard yesterday that the outside matches the inside, in a manner pleasing to the Lord. This is the person that's able to ascend into the hill of the Lord and stand in this holy place. This is the one that can approach God in prayer. Are our hands clean this morning? Are our hearts pure? Have we rejected iniquity? Have we had time this morning? We got up by the grace of God to be able to hear the word of God before we're able to pray. Those, those are the people that will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of their salvation. Again, in Psalm 15 it's written, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? The one who walks uprightly. Again, speaking of fellowship with the Almighty God, you have to have clean hands and a pure heart. You can't lift up your soul to vanity. and You can't swear deceitfully. In Psalm 15, like in Psalm 24, it's written that the person who is able to come up to God's holy hill, dwell there, God chose Jerusalem to put his name forever. He affirmed that when Solomon made those tremendous sacrifices and offerings before all the congregation, before the Lord. It's written that he offered certain animals without number, so much of sacrifice, especially at the dedication of the temple. That God will look to the person who turns to him toward his holy temple. Who's able to approach God the one that walks uprightly in a straight way, not a crooked way, 
and works righteousness, who's pleasing to God, and the person speaks the truth in his heart, again, pure heart, truthfulness, doesn't swear deceitfully. And here in Psalm 15 it says, the one that doesn't backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor, and the same person has a disgust toward those who disobey God and they are fighting God and hating God. We heard about the love that we need to show for people, even the sinner, and yet there's a hatred that God has for both the sin and the sinner. So there's a holistic picture, if you will, where God is able to rescue the one that is an enemy of his, if that person would humble himself or herself, but if not, the face of the Lord is against that person, and the person will be overthrown, like Sodom and Gomorrah. These days it's not fashionable to mention these things. Nonetheless, heaven and earth may pass, but God's word will never pass away. In Psalm 15, like in Psalm 24, the person that is righteous, the Bible says, in their eyes, the righteous person's eyes, the one who is righteous before the Lord, a vile person is despised, not honored and comforted while they're doing evil against God. Yet you see Jesus going to those same people and showing mercy, such as with a woman caught in adultery. But the implication is that person needs to turn to God, not reject his mercy, otherwise they'll be doomed, just like the Lord condemned those cities, Chorazin and Bethsaida. Just like Jericho was condemned. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. There's an honor, there's a love for the people who fear God. It's written of the man that produced the wood for the building of God's house. Hiram of region entire in Upper Israel. When Solomon wrote to him, that man came to see this new king. These people who are not with Israel, the fear of God had gone upon all of them, and it's written that that man, the king of that area, Tyre was a part of the area also known as the Sidonians, Tyre and Sidon. He was ever a lover of David. He was a man who honored the man who fear the Lord. We live in a selfish world. Everything is about how I can be helped and I can be moved up. It's a utilitarian mindset because the selfish ambition is always there. It's very high. God says, put that down. Be simple. Love God and love people, especially those in the household of faith who fear the Lord. We see this positive or negative 
to go close to the Lord, to honor Him, honor those who fear Him. We have a list of things here. We would do well to see if we are people who do what is written here. After all, what good is the word? Even though we see the parallel in Psalm 15 and Psalm 24, what good is this word unless we do it? Otherwise we deceive ourselves being in the meeting and even opening God's book. Notice it says, He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, the actions that they must not do, nor does he take up a reproach against his neighbor or friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. In the New Living Translation it says, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord. They know to whom their allegiance and affection belongs. It belongs to the Lord and it belongs to God's people who are following the Lord. It's not a self-centered life. It's not about how I can get to the hill of the Lord and make sure I carry a lot of money with me, a lot of blessings, and uh, people, yeah, it's nice to have people around, even brothers and sisters, but it's all about how they can help me to get to the top. And that's what I'm really concerned about. Is that you? Lord says you need to get off that high horse of selfish ambition and pride, always using people, even in the house of God, Nothing wrong with expecting and giving help wisely, led of the Spirit, with real compassion. But everything's wrong with always looking at people to see how I can get ahead. It's all about me. God knows the heart. And the person who keeps their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. How many people have sold people for money? They've betrayed people for gain. The gain doesn't have to be just money. It can be for a reputation that I'm in the in crowd. Gossip, even within the house of God. We have to be careful that we do justice, do justly, the right thing. Because God is watching every transaction and every talk. The people who do certain things that God has outlined in Psalm 24 and Psalm 15, and the people who don't do the things God forbids, they're the ones who can approach His presence and whose prayer God will hear. And furthermore, it says, such people will stand firm forever. It's very important to note, whenever the Bible says such a person will never be moved or never fall, God has given the prescription. Once again, the Bible says if I regard sin in my heart, 
there's something sinful in my life. And I'm not repenting of it. I refuse to. Psalm 618, it said, the Lord will not hear me. But the psalmist is able to say, but truly God has heard me. It's not self-righteousness. He's speaking of the fact that he knows God's not going to hear if he has sin in his heart. And before that Psalm 66, 18, it's written that God has praised, or the man has praised God with his tongue, and he's kept his vows. So he's saying the kind of people God will hear when they pray and the kind of people God won't hear when they pray. So it's important to make sure we cleanse our hearts this morning, make sure our hearts are right, so that as we pray for tomorrow's service, with all our hearts, we believe that God will come down and Great glory. We need to have faith. And the faith and the faithful prayers must come out of a pure heart. They must be offered as the evening sacrifice from clean hands. Anything that is bitterness is a deadly thing, that bitterness. It's a very sour thing. It's a painful thing. And it does damage to the person who holds it. Any bitterness and unforgiveness against family and the family of God and the servants of the Lord. Any unforgiveness, this is the place to start. Any bitterness, as I prayed in the beginning, any judgment that's off. God should take 500 Christians and judge each one according to their heart, the actual state of the heart, what thoughts are going in. He has a plumb line you measure according to that plumb line, his word, his standard righteousness. And how many people end up being shown crooked? How many people who, when weighed in the balance, will come up short? They won't be even because of this bitterness, because of this envy. These are things that will block our prayers, for sure. We can pray the most eloquent prayer. But if the mouth that prays, the heart that offers it, the hands that lift it up before God, if it's found to be hypocritical, God won't receive it. It'll be against that person. Very sobering thing. And has it changed? Some people may say, well, that's the Old Testament law. You just read from Psalm 24 and Psalm 15. We have Jesus and his blood makes a new way. His blood makes a new and living way to enter into His presence. Hallelujah. But God hasn't changed. He doesn't allow filth to come in because Jesus died on the cross. And every time filth is introduced into the heart, into actions, living haphazardly, living on the edge, testing God's patience, tempting the Lord, going to the edge of Sodom and Gomorrah and saying, Well, Lord, I'm just looking. And crossing boundaries now and then. The same God 
who inspired the psalmist to write Psalm 24 and Psalm 15 about the clean hands and pure heart and certain actions that shouldn't be done, certain actions he expects to be done. The same God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The same one who shed his blood, holy blood, so that we don't have to live in a wicked way, bitterness and envy and hatred. The Apostle Paul recorded that we used to hate one another. He said, that's the life we lived. Isn't that the truth? A person can look so holy going to church, so holy, so careful, so humble looking, but be a vicious person on the inside. How? They don't necessarily have to carry a real knife, but the way they think inside is quite bitter. And to God, like an x-ray you can see, the external doesn't match the internal. The Lord says, let's set it straight. Humble yourself. The right order when we come to God to pray is to, especially in a setting like this, ask for forgiveness anything that is evil in sight. How can we get past that? How can people jump right into God's presence and praise Him and worship Him and shout His praises and claim His blessings, pray a powerful prayer, earth-shaking, rumbling prayer, and they haven't cleansed themselves in the sight of God. The Lord, I don't deserve to come near you from harboring sin. So to be sure, everyone that approaches the Lord, especially this morning, need to remember that God will hear us individually and collectively as a church. If we are true before the Lord, if we really decide to follow Jesus, which means to die to myself, that's what following Jesus means. To deny myself. Stop trying to connive and work my way into really getting what I want after all, using God, using God's people. It's a great crime before the Lord. But to abandon that selfish ambition and that me-centeredness, as God has been speaking about, say, I'm putting that to death. It's not about me. I'm willing to do anything you say, Lord. People came to Jesus and said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. This this power, this magnetism, this miracle that I'm seeing repeatedly. You've got it, Lord. Rabboni, Rabbi, Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Some people know. I just knew him as a miracle worker, not necessarily as the Messiah. They just knew it's too good an opportunity to pass up. I want to be in. Lord, I want to tell everybody I'm saying in front of everyone, I will follow you wherever you go. The lords of foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, and the Son of Man has nowhere to lay aside. Will you really follow me wherever I go? Are you willing to deny yourself? Are you looking for comfort? Are you looking for a space and activity that suits you? And only then will you praise God and follow God. Otherwise, you'll be grumpy. And you'll be lustful, which doesn't necessarily mean 
sexually immoral only, but have strong desires to satisfy yourself. God will hear his people when we abandon ourselves in his presence to say, Lord, you know me through and through. I can hear I can hear you speaking the truth even this morning. I want to be among the people, the group that's going up to the hill of the Lord who can dwell in his holy tabernacle. The one who have the ones who have clean hands and pure hearts. We need his blood to do it. We need to say, I'm not leaving the Lord. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to serve him. What does this mean? These words that are used generically many times. It's cliches. The Lord says, you need to do certain things and stop doing certain things. Then you'll be right in my presence and I can bless you. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Hallelujah. And take a few moments before we pray publicly one by one for God to really purify us again His church and the church grounds tomorrow the building everything that takes place on church grounds especially in the sanctuary to go uprightly and humbly to go to receive the word of the Lord and to worship Him in spirit and in truth Take a few moments. Don't speak out loud. Don't look to impress other people. Don't be excited about other people with you as much as making sure you're right before God because one day we will stand one-on-one with the Lord no matter what we've done, even good things, even bringing people to God into his house. They won't do anything for us because God will look at the state of our hearts. But if our hearts are right and we do those things, they become blessings and testimonies. Oh, to have real religion. What is real religion? Again, the book of James 2. Care for to widows and orphans in their affliction, but not just that, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The world can stain us. We heard yesterday that our garments should be without wrinkle and without spot. Are we friends with the world still? Some Christians, sad to say, Demons have deceived them. They think they can serve God and read the horoscopes. They can be with God and read the tabloids, give their ears to gossip and foolishness, whether over the radio or podcasts, or scan the websites greedily, looking for juicy piece of information. That kind of curiosity doesn't just kill a cat. It kills human souls. Because we're going the wrong territory. These things are vanity. It's lifting up my soul unto idolatry and vanity. Don't read about people. Don't be concerned with their news and their lives. Whether they're in Hollywood or Bollywood. Or in politics. Things that are unwholesome. Things that we don't need to read. We need to restrain, restrain ourselves and say, I don't want to be defiled. The most convenient time to do that 
is when we're alone or with people who do the same thing, even Christians. And especially when nobody's around. People say, oh, Pastor, I don't use the media that often. I'm not a media junkie. But there's a full movie playing within their imaginations with no device. A lot of thoughts. We need to restrain ourselves and say, no, no. I refuse to think vain thoughts. God, help me. I want to be innocent, Lord. My private moments, Lord. Before the Lord. When I go through trial, the Lord will deliver me. Blessed be the rock. Let's take a few moments to reflect on all that we've heard. Prepare ourselves to approach Him with our petitions, especially for tomorrow. And I hope as we have looked at Psalm 15, Psalm 24, and the short time spoken things from the Lord, I just would expose whether we're prepared to pray or not, and help us also to get ready by the grace of God. Praise God. Once again, we're going to spend just a minute or two praying silently, just you, even if people around you, you look to the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, do I have clean hands and pure heart? I want to come to your presence, Lord, and pray. Make me right. If you're not right. And if you think you're right, still ask the Lord, Lord, examine me. How many things we've uncovered, especially during fasting prayer, time and time again, as the Holy Spirit goes deeper into our hearts with the search candle, searchlight. New things come up. It's because of the grace of God that we have an opportunity to get even cleaner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they shall be clothed in white. Those who will live with God forever. Having their garments purified, washed in His holy blood. Silently look to the Lord before we pray together publicly. But we should be asking the Lord this morning is, Lord, do I have clean hands? What do you see, Lord? What do you say? Do I have clean hands and a pure heart, Lord God? Do I really have clean hands and a pure heart, Lord? Purified by your blood, but also kept clean by me. And you pray privately to get in a state that is acceptable to the Lord so we can pray together. This morning for the duration of the prayer time for fasting together remember the Lord said, do you want to follow me? It's not going to be an easy path for your flesh. It's crucifixion to the flesh. Death to the old nature. Deny yourself. Shut everything down. Crucify any desire that's not of the Lord. Be angry at the deception of the flesh and worldly things. 
be careful not to partner with people who hate God. They show it by their actions, no matter how nice they're on the outside to you. Is it possible to love people who hate God and love you? That means there's something in you or something in us that they see that is attracting them while they hate God. And the only conclusion is that we have something from the devil that's attracting them. Attracting them. Because you can't hate God and hate his people. You can't hate God who's holy and love his people unless they're unholy. And to make a clear cut with everything that is evil, it's not just for those who may be the younger among our crowd this morning, and physically they get in the car, or physically they go and meet with people, and physically they want to do ministry, physically they cross the line, physically, when the Lord says, don't pass this through counsel, they pass it. Yes, that's a very flagrant, egregious violation, very blatant, but those who don't do those things, those who say, I don't do those things, we need to make sure we're not doing it in our hearts by partnering with the world in worldly ways, selfish ambitions, a mix-up and a mixture of faith in God and faith in myself. Loving God and loving money too. Loving God and loving pleasure, my comfort. When it's comfortable, I'll follow God. It's the same thing. One does it very visibly, and the other one does it in the privacy of his or her own heart, regardless of age. But foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Whoever will come after me, man, woman, girl or boy, whoever really wants to follow me, in order to come after me, you have to deny yourself. There's some people who engage in fasting, the groups and individuals, not only in Christianity, but also in pseudo-Christianity, false Christianity, and also other religions and cults. Fasting is not an uncommon thing. Many, many people fast in the world. We know some people do it for health reasons too. Some people, for vanity, they want to look good and they want to cut down their weight and but when it's done right in the sight of God, its sole purpose is, Lord, I want my heart to be right with you. Lord, everything that is evil, I want it out. And I'm seeking you with faith and obedience, you see. Fasting divorced from faith and obedience to God's word will end up being a deception. Self-deception, that I'm doing something religious demonstrating by my fasting. People do that in jail. Political prisoners and all kinds of people do that too. Fasting is useless. Useless to the human soul. Unless it is done with a pure motive and a sole objective. That I'm doing this to get near my Lord and I'm going to pray with all my heart, Lord, destroy everything, Lord, in me and in my life that is not of you. And Lord, I'm going to cooperate by seeking your face. I'm going to do it, Lord, by taking up my cross in addition to denying myself. What is the cross? The cross is to do God's will. We saw in these Psalms, which includes 
keeping my vows, my promises, even when it hurts, doing right by God. And then we can follow Jesus. What a far cry from modern day so-called Christianity. But this is the truth and God has helped us to see that plumb line very clearly so that we can be ready to approach Him. One more minute, going to silently look to the Lord and then we can start praying publicly.